This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. And great to have back on the show, Kate Lamberton, marketing professor here at the Wharton School. Hi, Kate. How have you been? I'm great. How are you? Doing very well. Um, So some interesting things that uh, we want to touch on uh, with you here today. One uh, kind of ties into, I guess, some research that you've been looking at and and being involved in lately. Uh, The desire for what's being called carnival-esque. Tell us about this. Yeah, so this has been really interesting, as everybody in the world knows. The last few years have been challenging for a lot of people in a lot of ways. Um, And what history tells us is that when people come through times like this, when there's an enormous amount of uncertainty, when the things they expect to be stable are shaken up, they need a release valve. (laughs) I think many of us have had that experience. Um, And so what they do during these times is they turn to something that Mikhail Bakhtin, uh, who was a a literary theorist, described as the carnivalesque. And it's a place where we are able to laugh at the things that scare us. We're able to try on different identities. We're able to challenge uh, the dominant ways of thinking in a way that makes us laugh, right? It's, It's playful. Um, as opposed to, you know, just being angry or being upset or being beaten down by things. We go to the carnival so that we can see the world in a different way. So we've been starting to see this all over the market, and it's been really interesting to watch. And and so this is something that that you'll see probably in a variety of different fronts because what what, what that special area is for individuals may very well vary depending on their likes or their tastes. Absolutely. People find this in different ways. So, for example, you can look at fragrance ads and you can see in the fine fragrance area that, um, uh, you know, brands are being advertised using fortune tellers with a crystal ball in front of them. Right. And that's for a two hundred dollar bottle of perfume. But you can also go down the road to Spencer's Spencer's, uh, boutique and see the carnival playing out in the form of T-shirts that say funny things about, um, you know, somewhat transgressive behavior, but allow people to laugh at it. Um, You also can see this, so for example, in a recent collaboration between Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg, uh, working together with the brand Liquid Death. Uh, So you put all those things together, you've got a carnival. (laughs) So for different people, it's going to show up in different ways. Joined by Kate Lambert and marketing professor here at at the Wharton School. And, And so, as you said, I mean, the last couple of years have obviously been uh, very challenging for so many people. So this is, it feels like, you, do you see more people, you know, looking to kind of get this release and the companies that maybe are marketing are, are really focused on that need and, and how they can kind of tie back into it? Yeah, it's really interesting to see this because I don't think that um, this is articulated as a strategy, but it's been a very natural human response What we found in our data so far is that when people have felt this interesting constellation of emotions, that is, when they have felt as though things were um, anxiety-producing, that they were a bit bored, but that they also felt like they had fewer responsibilities on their plate, that's when the carnivalesque is really appealing to us. So if you think about this, you know there's a segment of people for whom, at least, they were stuck. And they couldn't do all the things they wanted to do. They couldn't travel or necessarily go where they wanted to. Um, and they were bored. There was a lot of anxiety because they didn't know what's going to happen next. But also, at least they didn't have a commute in the morning, right? At least yeah. they weren't ex- 
expected to show up at all the family gatherings they used to be. So in a strange way, even though we had new responsibilities placed on us, there are old ones that were removed. And it's in that space that people have a very strong drive to the carnival. So, so kind of by simplifying, you know, our lives being simplified to a degree with all mm-hmm. that had gone on during the pandemic and not having to do certain things, companies are able to kind of find that path to be able to to uh, make that connection with the consumer. It's it's kind of a little bit of an easier trek for them to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly easier to, to respond to that, this interesting constellation of emotions, than it is to use, you know, persuasion tactics that worked before COVID in a world where chronic anxiety was perhaps not quite as high. Um, we now live in a world where every season there's a new variant. And so likelihood, well, the likelihood is that this drive for the carnivalesque is going to stay strong. Um, and so you see it in a lot of areas. You see it in home design, this move towards something called carnival core. Uh, you see it in food and beverage. You see it in retail. Um, and again, I don't think this is a coordinated strategy. I just think that it's a very natural human response to, for example, yeah. you know, hundreds of years ago, the plague. Um, we've done the same thing. We've just done it in the marketplace in a new way. All right. We're coming up on Halloween uh, in a couple of days, and that means that a lot of people are out there buying their candy but also buying costumes. And, and it's interesting when you look at some of the pricing components on costumes this year, uh, people could be thrown for a little bit of a shock when they go to the store and buy a costume for their child or themselves. Yeah, so so Halloween is an archetypal carnival, right? This was a way that people could sort of interact with something as terrifying as death and the afterlife um, in, a, in a way that, you know, we have found uh, to, to be enjoyable, right? And so, yes, this is a perfect moment for Halloween. All the forecasts are saying Halloween is huge this year. And yeah, the prices are not low, right? A lot of the materials that go into costumes are, are more expensive right now. But more than that, when you go to the carnival, you don't quibble over the price of cotton candy. It's just not what you do. That would make you a very strange carnival goer. Uh, when you're there, you don't think about that. What you think about is who you could be and how you could engage in the world in a new and interesting and not scary way, really. Um, how you can play, how you can challenge what people think of you. So the likelihood is, yes, prices are going to be high, but people are likely to buy the costume they think suits them in the moment because especially right now it's something that we're all really looking for. Right, and and that's actually good news for a lot of the companies that make these costumes <laughs> yeah. and stuff because I, I think there is there, there was a definite concern with how inflation has kind of run here the last uh, couple of quarters uh, that maybe you know the, the sales numbers on different things around Halloween – we're going to be a little bit softer, but maybe not so. I mean, I think if there's an offset due to inflation, um, you know, that may exist. But if that's the case, I think you'll see it picked up in other areas. So we also know if candy is more expensive right now. Uh, so, But you can't control the number of kids that come to your door. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not sure people can take these costs even if they want to. But right now, again, this is this is a moment for Halloween. This is This is a year when people are getting back out in the world and when we still feel like we need this kind of a safety valve. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see exactly how it plays out. Well, and and even the dynamic of of how you shop for a costume has changed, obviously, in the last few years. Uh, With more e-commerce in the mix, people, you know, it's nothing for somebody to, in fact, I did it for my son for his Halloween costume, ordering it online and having it delivered right to your door instead of going out to the store. You certainly can do that. I mean, I think that, that people 
people that are looking for something a little atypical are likely, as always, to go to e-commerce because you can get long-tail products there. Um, but we also see real strength, and Wall Street Journal just did a piece on this, in, in, in the performance of stores like Spirit Halloween, which takes an atypical approach to real estate. It pops up, right? And in that, it's a great representation of the carnival that rolls into town and then rolls back out of town when you no yeah. longer need it. And for a lot of people, that experience in itself of going and trying things on and, and talking with their friends and enjoying that environment is, is a value of its own. You mentioned about it with the carnival atmosphere, obviously, around Halloween. Are, are there other aspects that you see or other times of the year that you see that carnival kind of mentality play out? I mean, obviously, there's the impact from what we've seen, but I would think there are probably at, at times periods where people just, you know, they, they want that, that, that change, that change of mindset. I mean, the one that's dominant in pop culture is, of course, Mardi Gras, right? So Mardi Gras is a right. car- carnival, too. That classic safety valve that, again, came up through religious roots and has become part of, part of our experience. Yeah, I think here in Philly, <laughs> we do this in a lot of cases around sporting events, right? So um, when you're, you're living in a city that is facing some very real challenges, we look to things like large-scale skeptical, I'm sorry, large-scale spectacle um, yeah. for that release. And, and again, what we wear somebody else's jersey. We put on a costume. We go and we yell and scream and things we would never otherwise do. So in Philly, I think, I think we <laughs> tap into our carnival side in a lot of the cases when we're dealing with our sporting events. And, and actually, I was just going to think about there's another maybe area that we do that, and for some people around the country, they may know this, the Mummers Parade on New Year's Day here in mm, Philadelphia, absolutely. where yes. people yes. get dressed up in all these different costumes and, and such. It's a little bit like being at Mardi Gras. Absolutely. And that's it's exactly right. And, you know, the Mummers Parade happening in winter, right? It's, it's dark. It's cold. What do we need? We need something funny. We need something to laugh at. Um, and I think yeah. those things bring people together. And part of what was tough about COVID is that we lost so many of them. Uh, so this is the time when I think people are really going to embrace those in new ways, even if they've never thought about them before. All right. Uh, uh, speaking of Halloween, uh, I know you also wanted to touch on a fun thing that I guess Spencer's Gifts has done in the past, a, a kind of a Halloween mask election forecast. And I guess this is, you know, and this is really apropos, I guess, when we have a, a presidential election uh, of what <laughs> candidate mask gets sold the most might be a tip-off as to who's going to win the election in November. Exactly. And, you know, there is some analysis that says our entire election system is turning into a carnival. So it makes sense. But, uh, yeah, Spencer's has their Halloween mask um, predictor, and it has been it has been accurate every single time, including in 2016 when the forecasts were getting it somewhat wrong, right? So in 2016... <laughs> Uh, the, the choice of a Clinton mask was 45% and the choice of a Trump mask was 55%. And even though they knew that many people were choosing the Trump mask, not because they liked him, but because they wanted to make fun of him, it still predicted the outcome of the election. So that's something to watch as we head toward the next presidential election. Um, things that people want to laugh at, they also become familiar with, and that makes them not scary anymore. Um, so when something isn't scary, maybe you don't push away from it nearly as hard. So, yeah, watch Spencer's. They always have something interesting going on. So tell the networks to get rid of their polling services and go right to Spencer's <laughs> when, when we get when we get yep, to the absolutely. presidential election in two years. 
Absolutely. May as well try it. Yeah. Hey, before we let you go, I did want to ask you, and we talked about this earlier, about uh, all that has kind of gone on around Kanye West and, and the companies that have kind of separated themselves from him. And, and from a marketing perspective, give us your thoughts on these companies. Really, I mean, they had to make these moves because of the comments of West. And I mentioned this mm-hmm. earlier. It again shows the power of the word does have a significant impact on the decision process that a lot of these companies have had to make over the last couple of days. Absolutely. And I, I would say in the context of, uh, you know, what we've been talking about here, we the, the carnival includes jesters and includes jokesters. But again, those are all about laughter. Um, if you if you go into a carnival and there's something that is actually mean-spirited or dangerous or hateful or violent, you're not at the carnival anymore. That's a very different kind of environment. People are not drawn uh, to hatred and mean-spiritedness right now, right? There's some fatigue on that front. Um, and so, and, and they also realize that things like uh, Kanye West, that things that Kanye West is discussing are not laughing matters. They can't be made laughing matters. Um, and so he's he's not only a misfit with the prevailing zeitgeist in terms of acceptance and tolerance and you know um, and and respect for humans, he's also in a very bad position with regard to this carnival left zeitgeist. That kind of creates you know that kind of character is is expelled from the carnival. They don't fit there. And so I think to the extent that brands are responding to the same underlying patterns that are creating the desire for the carnival they intuitively and analytically understand that being aligned with someone like Kanye West is going to make anti-Semitic statements is just not not a good recipe uh, for any part of their brand. Kate, great to have you with us. Uh, thanks for your time today. All the best. Thank you. Take care. Happy Halloween. Yes, happy Halloween to you as well. Kate Lamberton, marketing professor here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.